listening to the Taming Crazy podcast with Alicia, Deb, and Sue, where each week we'll share our views from the middle. We're talking the ups, the downs, and everything in between of being a midlife woman in today's world. So stay tuned and enjoy the show. Tammy Crazy Podcast. I'm Alicia and I'm here. Well, I'm not physically here, but I'm virtually here with the lovely Deb and Sue. Hello to the both of you. Hello. Hi. Hi. How is everybody tonight? Good. Yeah. <laughs> Short weeks are always weird. They are. They feel so long and tiring. Yeah. Yes. I made the last minute decision to take tomorrow off. <laughs> Oh, you lucky bugger. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've got vacation to take. Got to take it by the end of the fiscal year. Oh, right. Yeah. Like, I will be so glad to get out of February. I'm so done. Yeah. Last week, we talked about wearing what we want and not following any fashion rules, except for my daytime, nighttime jean rule, because, you know, we have to follow that one. <laughs> anyway, did yeah. you hear lately about this new thing that skinny jeans and side parts are out and according to the gen z or gen zers whatever they call it, whoever they are we now must be all in baggy jeans part our hair in the middle and we have to stop using the laugh till we cry emoji been there done that they are <laughs> never gonna pry that laughing emoji out of my hands <laughs> i thought that was hilarious and i'm thinking Every generation that comes along thinks they're the first to do anything, you know? Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. we did it too, right? I remember wearing yeah. the skinniest jeans and I remember getting on the bus to go to town and the bus driver would always say, I have no idea how you got into those pants. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> I remember it taking a very long time and needing a clothes <laughs> hanger to get the zipper up. Yes. And then we were in the baggy jeans, and then we were in the boot cuts, and then we, like, we've been through it all. So yeah. I think once you've gone around the full circle, you have the right to wear whatever the hell you want. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, good. We're all yeah. on the same page on that one, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of clothes, February 24th is Pink Shirt Day here in Canada, which is a day where we wear pink to support anti-bullying. And although it was started in Canada in 2007, it has since spread around the world and it's celebrated on various dates. Some countries celebrate Anti-Bullying Day sometime in February and the United Nations declared the official Anti-Bullying Day to be May 4th. But Regardless of when or where Anti-Bullying Day is celebrated, the point is we recognize that bullying exists to such a degree that the whole world agrees that it's something to stand up against. Mm -hmm. I read that the United States Department of Justice estimates that one out of every four kids will be bullied during childhood. And a study by the Yale School of Medicine in 2010 discovered a connection between being bullied and suicide. And the term that people are using now is bullyside, which is beyond words. We've had some very high profile cases of that here in Canada. And the one that stands out for me, especially since her case hit the news again this week, was Amanda Todd. And if you don't remember her story, 
she was a 15-year-old Canadian girl who took her own life in 2012 after being cyberbullied for over two years by a stranger. Her story created a massive international investigation that resulted in the arrest of a 35-year-old Dutch man. At the time, he had around 39 alleged victims who he had been harassing and cyberbullying for years in Britain, the US, Norway, Canada, and who knows where else. Anyway, her story really stands out because before her death, she posted a YouTube video titled My Story, Struggling, Bullying, Suicide, Self-Harm which showed her using flashcards to tell her story about being bullied. And her story actually changed the way, especially here in Canada, it changed the way law enforcement reacts to cyberbullying. And we now have stronger legislation to protect those who are bullied. Anyway, her cyberbully was extradited to Canada um, from the Netherlands early this month, and he is now on trial in British Columbia. So hopefully he's found guilty and will spend more time in jail because that's where he's been spending the last few years is jail in the Netherlands. So, you know, it's really sad that we're now hearing more and more young people taking their own life due to bullying. Why do you think it's become so prevalent? You know, it's bullying, unfortunately, has always, always, always been around. And I think it's easier to, you know, it, it's easier to, to be a bully online and kind of garner support for things online because that there does sometimes seem to be, you're almost a step away. It doesn't sometimes seem real, like what's going on and what's happening. And so I think... You know, it's always been there and over the past however many years we are just slowly, slowly, slowly getting better about talking about it and wanting to kind of bring it out of the shadows. And it's appalling that it takes tragedy after tragedy after tragedy for us to start talking about things. Well, and I think, you know, in our generation, like before the internet, if children were bullied in school, when they got home, it, that was their safe space. But now it seems you can be bullied around the clock. It's online. So they have access to you constantly. Mm -hmm. So I think maybe there is no safe place anymore. I think being a child, that's probably what it feels like. I'm not sure. Deb, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think it's exactly that. Computers have kind of taken over the world and, you know, every kid is on there and they connect with their friends. And, you know, unfortunately, I think some people, some kids just don't know how to step in either. They don't know the action to take, you know. I think there's many, many reasons for this. Obviously, this pandemic has escalated the amount of time we're online. And I was reading that according to Imran Ahmed, who is the CEO of the Center for Countering Digital Hate. I mean, the fact that we need something like that is is terrifying. But he's saying that there has been an industrial level of trolling during this pandemic. And he says that online trolls, they actually don't get a thrill from abusive trolling. What they want to see and what they get the thrill from is the reaction they get from their victim. You know, when it comes to cyberbullying, blocking and then reporting abusive posts actually takes away their power. Another thing that I thought was really interesting is that if you try and defend someone else against online trolls, 
it can actually do more harm than good because it helps broadcast the abuse, which is actually what the troll wants. You know, I know for myself, there's been times where I've seen something and I really want to step in and defend someone. But to be honest, you know, I tread really lightly when it comes to online posting and I really don't have a problem muting somebody that, you know, I don't agree with or I don't really block too many people because I don't follow people that I don't at least respect in some way. Mm -hmm. But I would have no problem blocking anybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do a lot of blocking and reporting and not necessarily, you know, not necessarily making a big deal about it or even saying that I've done it. It's just, you know, I'm going to report them and then I'm going to block them and, you know, hopefully that cuts it off a little bit. But unfortunately you know the one of the things with social media is it's possible to keep generating new accounts and new names and things so that is one of the things that kind of i have seen recently that you know it's able to continue because you know one account is reported blocked shut down or suspended so they just start another one and start another one you know i, I don't know what the answer is to that is I, I don't know how like how you would shut someone down completely or if that's even possible yeah you know you would like to say that if somebody signs up for an account that they would have to verify it in some way mm-hmm. you know the problem is is that these trolls are quite clever you know they always find a way through so uh, I just think that like you said blocking and reporting I mean every time you see something block and report because really that's the only power you have when that happens I think Mm -hmm. you know when we hear the word bullying we usually think it's something that happens in childhood which we know can be absolutely devastating but what is also impactful is how childhood bullying affects us as adults whether it's how being bullied as a child has formed our personalities or if a childhood bully then grows up to become someone who bullies others well into adulthood. And we're hearing more and more about adult bullying now. And it was only a month ago that our own Canadian Governor General was forced to quit due to claims that she bullied and harassed several of her staff members. And it makes you wonder how someone like her in a very high profile position feels the need to bully those who work for her. Do you think it's a a lack of empathy or maybe power and position trumps kindness and compassion? I don't know. But Sue, I know you probably have a lot to say about workplace bullying. (laughs) I do. I have a lot to say about bullying in, in general, really. It is something I experienced in school and it knocked my self confidence and kind of growing up, I've never really been that confident because. You know, there was always somebody there that could quite quickly slap me down. And, you know, it's important to to realise that there are several types of bullying. And sort of so when we're talking about kids, it tends, you know, it can either be verbal or physical or it might be relational or, or social. So that kind of shunning and not allowing somebody to join in things. And then obviously, like we were just talking about the cyberbullying, and then you see that again coming through in adult life and in the workplace and you know it's 
one of the things that's happened, particularly over the past few years, is that there's been a lot of work done to kind of identify what bullying is. So one of the definitions is that for it to be considered bullying, there must be a target. So that could be one person or it could be a small group of people. The behaviour has to be harmful in some way. And it has to be something that's repeated over time. So, you know, you wouldn't have one incident and say that was bullying. It does tend to be something that's sustained. And, you know, so over the past few years, there has been legislation brought into place and this, that and the other. And, you know, everywhere is supposed to have policies, but it's very easy to have a policy in place and say, look at us, we're great, we don't tolerate bullying we are zero tolerance on bullying and yet it is well known that this is kind of an undercurrent that runs through multiple multiple areas of an organization and that's really worrying the fact that it is openly discussed it's openly acknowledged and yet we do nothing about it yeah i mean policies and procedures are useless if they're not followed exactly I think what you said about, you know, defining bullying, I think is really important because I remember several years ago, we had an employee who was reported for bullying. When I addressed the issue with her, she immediately denied it and was shocked that the way that she was communicating with her coworkers was actually viewed as bullying. Like She Mm -hmm. had no idea, she said. But there was a lot of teasing. There was a lot of, you know, rude remarks. There was a lot of backhanded kind of things she was saying to the same employees over and over again. Uh And, you know, they did put up with it for quite a long time thinking, well, that's just her personality. But after a while, it erodes that relationship and workplace environment. Uh And when they reported it, you know, I, I did look into the definitions exactly to make sure that we were following the rules and thankfully we were able to rectify the problem and you know build up the relationship between them all but I don't think that's the usual outcome usually when there is bullying in the workplace somebody leaves and it's usually not the bully Mm -hmm. and quite often we see the bully being um, promoted upwards to a, a further position of power And that's basically what, you know, a lot of bullying is about. It's about having power and control over somebody and, you know, using that to to make yourself feel better. I mean, like having been on the receiving end of it in the workplace, like that woman was destructive and very well known, an ongoing issue for many, many years and nothing was ever done about it apart from going on training courses and the training courses yeah you could see a difference for about two weeks where things were put into place but when a person lacks empathy and as you say compassion it doesn't work no what do you think Deb? I witnessed my son being bullied at a workplace and I didn't quite understand at first what was happening but I guess about four years ago he got a job at a smaller mechanic shop and there was the owner receptionist a senior mechanic apprentice and then my son was in the middle the journeyman there and 
I noticed a big difference in him. He had lost weight, he had gotten extreme anxiety, sick, just a totally different personality. And then after sitting down with him, I realised this senior mechanic was bullying the hell out of him. And this went on for probably three months now. And he talked to the owner. The owner kind of just brushed it off a little bit. And, you know, one day he sat down and the receptionist said, like, this is a problem at this workplace. We can't keep staff because of that guy. So they were losing good, you know, mechanics because of, of this senior mechanic bullying people. And my son ended up leaving because the owner was not going to do anything about it. Mm-hmm. But he was a he was a a mess, like mentally, physically. He had lost piles of weight, and and it took a while for me to realize like what was going on. And um, as soon as he left, you know, when he moved on, just very happy and a different story. But um, they weren't going to do anything about that man, and I'm sure he's still there. Mm-hmm. You know, he'd been there twenty plus years. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, he was the the guy. That everyone mm-hmm. knew work there. Yeah. I think one of the things, like you, you mentioned several things there, it's very difficult to open up and to say, I'm being bullied. It's very, very difficult as a kid because it's kind of adding shame on top of shame because you know that there is this kind of misguided belief that somehow it's you, it's a fault with you. And it does, it disrupts your sleep, it disrupts your eating, it increases your anxiety, it increases your depression. You start to isolate yourself because it's safer to do that. You know, you, you don't want to go out, you don't want to talk about it, you, you don't want to see anybody because you don't know what's being said about you to other people. And so, I, you know, I'm so glad that he got out. Yeah. I really, really hate that he had that experience. And like you say, I'm sure that guy is still there because he's probably got something that he can hold over his boss as well. Mm-hmm. You know, there's always kind of that other thing that seems to be around. Like, well, you know, if if you lose me, then you're losing the best mechanic, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, quite frankly, a lot of pe- people, if they knew that that's what he was like, because I'm sure he doesn't project himself as that in the, you know, to customers and everything. They wouldn't want to be bothered with that. That's right. Unfortunately, I think that is more common than we we know. Mm -hmm. You know, I think especially for smaller companies, like say with your son's situation, he probably didn't want to deal with it. You know, and it was probably easier to lose staff here and there then lose a guy that's been with him for that long. Mm-hmm. You know, it's they, they just will hope it'll go away, to be honest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And by your son quitting, well, the problem went away in his mind. You know, yeah. it's it's sad, but I think that's really, really common. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so too. And I think, like you said, Sue, it's very difficult when you're an adult to say you're being bullied. Mm-hmm. Because there's this thing where, you know, well... I'm an adult, I should be able to stand up for myself. I I don't know what it is, but there's a shame involved in it, I think. Mm -hmm. And as we've said many times, you know, shame can paralyze you Mm -hmm. and make you feel very small. 
Yeah, I actually had somebody say to me, you're being bullied at your age. Yes. yes. <laughs> I was like, holy baloney, that's not what I expected to hear. <laughs> no. no. You know, I expected empathy, not like that further layer of shame which that put on because it was like, oh, yeah, okay. It's just me being crap then. Yeah. And I just think that comes from for lack of a better word, ignorance of what bullying really is. Mm -hmm. When it comes to the workplace climate, I think it depends on, you know, the leadership of the company, right? I think it's up to them to state with no hesitation that bullying will not be tolerated. And it made me think of when Joe Biden, and if nobody knows who Joe Biden is, and you've been living in under a rock... (laughs) You know, the newly elected president of the United States. I mean, he made a public statement within days of becoming a leader of the country. And he said, and I quote, I'm not joking when I say this. If you're ever working with me and I hear you treat another with disrespect, talk down to someone, I promise you, I will fire you on the spot. On the spot. No ifs, ands or buts. And I think that statement sets the tone. You know, most of us would appreciate a statement like that from an employer because, you know, it's clear. It's a clear message. There's no blurred lines. And you know what will be tolerated and what won't be tolerated. Unfortunately, with that, everybody that is in any sort of leadership position underneath him also has to abide by that. Mm Mm-hmm. Because it's one thing that top person saying it and, you know, everyone will take it as gospel. Like, oh, you know, here's administration, there's no bullying and everything. But that has to filter right through and quite often it doesn't. Yes. I mean, that's the biggest problem when it comes to bullying because leaders can stop it. And a lot of times they can say, well, no bullying is tolerated in our in our company But we know there's lots of bullies working in companies. We know that. Oh, millions of them. They might have policies and procedures in place, but if it's not being reported to the right people, and the issue is, is that a lot of bullies are in managerial positions. If you go back and read about the Governor General of Canada, she had a history of bullying and harassment. And people were so afraid of losing their positions and their jobs that they didn't say anything until somebody leaked it to the press. And it was only then that an investigation was was started. So I think that's the problem. People are sometimes afraid to lose their jobs, especially, you know, when maybe the economy is, is not that great and it's not like you can find another job tomorrow. And people end up staying in positions and I'm sure getting physically and mentally sick from it. Mm -hmm. You know, how many people take stress leave after being bullied or during their time there? Well, and that's what I did. And, you know, HR are supposedly the people that are going to come in and help and do this, that and the other. And, you know, sort of one of the things I was offered was mediation and you know, there are, there are pros and cons of mediation and having those open and transparent and, you know, judgment-free discussions, but they need somebody neutral. 
not somebody that is hired by the organization to kind of maintain the status quo and i think that is a huge problem like this feeling that you can deal with it internally isn't always accurate sometimes you need to bring someone from outside that has a completely different perspective and that can do that support yeah well because then then you can come at it from a a non-emotional point of view you know Mm -hmm. you don't have a relationship with these people so you can look at it logically and say well this is the issue this is how we can fix it Mm -hmm. do you think bullies see themselves as bullies no they see themselves as being strong and assertive yeah and superior (laughs) right in some way yeah Yeah. in control they're in control of themselves and you know sometimes there's perfectionist qualities and they have unreasonable standards for themselves and if they see that slipping and it's because of somebody else then you know they're gonna get it in the ear it's that power imbalance isn't it Mm -hmm. it's they choose somebody You know, it's not like they bully everybody, do Mm -hmm. they? You know what? They're quite clever in making sure that they have really strong relationships with a lot of people. And then they choose certain people to bully. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's like being married to a narcissist. It's the same thing. It is exactly the same. Exactly the same thing. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's a good point. Yeah, it's finding Mm -hmm. those chinks. Yeah. Like something that, you know, like that little chink in the armor. And it's like, no, I can keep pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing and eventually it just it's it's too much yeah so it's almost like they seek out somebody that perhaps they see something that they can actually manipulate in some way it Um, doesn't even have to be that i think that is it for some people but also they don't like to see people shine or to get positive attention or to be doing something better that they can perhaps not do as well And so it's, how do I cut them down so that they're not taking all of my glory? That's true. Yeah. It's it's actually a very big subject. Mm -hmm. Mm It is. I mean, that's the reason why we haven't solved it, really. You know, it's it's so complex, isn't it? Mm -hmm. What my understanding of for children that are bullies is that they don't deal with their own emotions very well. Mm Mm-hmm and take it out on other kids yeah i think with children there's typically something else that's underlying it it's kind of perhaps a symptom of something else that's happening and like you say it's like they're they're having feelings of some sort something's going on and they don't know how to manage what's going on they don't know how to articulate what's going on so kind of engage in behaviors towards other people that are really quite hurtful Mm -hmm. I wrote a chapter in my book and it was a standalone chapter about bullying because I used to have a friend when I was when I was quite young and he was a boy that lived up the street and he was the sweetest sweetest kid and we were very very good friends and he was being abused by his dad physically and mentally abused And by the time he became a teenager, he actually became a bully himself. And I think it was a way for him to try and take back some of his power that Mm -hmm. he had lost. And it was interesting to look back and see that because when you're a child, you don't understand that 
for someone to, you know, completely change from being a sweet child to this bully. Mm-hmm. But I do think it was a way of him trying to take back his power. I mean, he was in pain, obviously. Mm-hmm. And he was taking it out on other kids. Yeah. yeah. And I think, like you say, it is kind of that way of perhaps proving to themselves that and to other people that they're not weak that they do have some power, that they can kind of demonstrate power over other people. But I don't think it's, you know, that that wouldn't be the thought process that they go through. It's just that reaction to to everything yeah. that's going on. Oh, it's complex. It really is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a whole different episode. <laughs> because, <laughs> yeah. you know, we're thinking about it, if, you know, th- there's a reason movies like Mean Girls exist because that is fairly typical behavior you know if you think about by the time kids hit middle school that's where you'll quite often see a lot of these things start showing their head and like girls can be vicious like at that age the problem with someone who has been bullied is that it can have long-term effects right there's been studies that have followed victims of childhood bullying for over 20 years and they found that depression anxiety and low self-esteem were prevalent when they become adults so Mm -hmm. you know it's not something that happens when we're a child and then you get over it as soon as it stops you know we're emotional beings and we can't just permanently switch our thoughts and emotions off or expect them to not raise their ugly head again at some point Yeah, and I would say, you know, from an adult perspective as well, that continues as well. Like there are still certain words and expressions when they are used that my anxiety just absolutely skyrockets because I'm worried that it's all starting again. And that isn't the intent. That's not what the person that is kind of saying those things to me means to happen they're just genuinely asking a question or something but because they are tactics they are words they're expressions that you know like were used on me as part of that bullying it it sends me into a massive spiral of panic you know it's very hard to explain why you know somebody's just having a regular conversation with you and all of a sudden you've turned white as a sheet and can't wait to get <laughs> can't wait to get out of the conversation because you don't want to say yeah that that's something that you know was used against me those words those expressions well it triggers you yeah and and there are still some things now where I'll I'll say things to my husband and he's like why do you still worry about what she thinks and I'm like it's not that I worry about what she thinks it's just there's still part of me that she's gonna come after me for something so there is some kind of almost like a a little bit of a fear that still resides there right that and like you said when you trick when you're triggered by certain words or certain situations i think that's very understandable Mm -hmm. what do you think deb everything that sue was saying is reminding me of my first marriage You know, I was thinking back of, you know, being a kid and if I remember any bullying or, and and I just don't, like, I don't believe, you know, maybe something had had happened, but I don't recall anything of where I was bullied. (laughs) But then that all took a, you know, a dive once I got married. And I'm just, you know, it takes a while to realize that's what it was. Mm -hmm. 
I was out of that before I even knew. But that that too is a whole new episode. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that's it. You kind of have to be out of it to to really see how bad some of it was. And like I'm I'm sure like the stuff that you literally have buried so deep, Mm -hmm. it ain't coming out again. That's right. (laughs) But you know, there's little things sometimes, and you start thinking, "Shit, yeah, yeah." There's that feeling again. There's that warning sign. Yes. You know, I never realized until what you just said was you were bullied right through Mm -hmm. your marriage, and I never really put the word bully onto that, but that's exactly what it was. Mm -hmm. And when you've been bullied for twenty something years, that becomes a normal situation for you. So then you almost have to reprogram yourself when you leave that. So it's not something that switches off and says, oh, my God, thank God I'm out of that now. Then you've Mm -hmm. got to heal from that, right? And reprogram yourself. Mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Such a big topic. It is. But I mean, you know, I have to say in the past few years and kind of I am perhaps a little bit more involved in sort of bullying stuff than I should be (laughs) just because I wanted to try and understand it a little bit better and and kind of try and understand what the rationale was for doing this that and the other and realizing that you know there was no actual rationale towards really bullying me it was just I was the the pick of the day the week the year whatever and so there are some really good books like one of my favorites is uh the asshole survival guide which (laughs) (laughs) how to deal with people who treat you like dirt by robert i sutton and that's really interesting because it talks about you know some people are temporary assholes and some people kind of are just full-time long-term assholes and you know it can actually be catching You know, sort of if you are in the workplace and fortunately, you know, now that we're not not all of us are kind of in the workplace anymore. You know, if you're in like a cubicle situation, then, you know, you want to be keeping your distance from these people because it's catching because it does roll downhill. And you see, you know, like a manager, a director, an executive director, whatever, doing some things, then you may think, well, to be like them to get on like they are to reach those lofty positions that's how I need to act yeah and so you get the newbies come in and they're like oh no I'm not going to be like this that and the other and six months down the road there they are part of the asshole group yeah they want to fit in Mm -hmm. it's kind of like that mean girls thing where yep you know a lot of those girls didn't start out being mean girls Mm -hmm. but it was just that need to fit in and then all of a sudden you find yourself on the other side of it Mm -hmm. it's yeah yeah it's that needing to belong needing to belong yeah Yeah. but i mean needless to say you know all of that the there are some really fantastic resources out there that you can access if you are struggling you know if you are being bullied or you think you are being bullied and so one place that really helped me and you know is very well connected kind of around Canada and worldwide is the Alberta Bullying Resource Centre and they have tons of information they offer counselling they offer support they will kind of do mediation sessions or facilitate conversations and things like that and just without them 
I don't think I would be where I am now. We'll put a link for that in the notes, Sue. Okay, and the other thing is Sheldon Kennedy's respect group. There is a workplace, uh, a respect in the workplace program that you can do. It doesn't take very long. And that is really helpful as well, just kind of thinking about behaviours and this, that and the other. Good. I think the biggest takeaway from this is that if you find yourself being bullied, it's not about you. I think a lot of times we'll think, well, why me? Like you said, you could have been just the flavor of the day, of the week, of the year, whatever it is. It is not about you. And bullies are damaged people. So it's not anything that you've done to create the situation. It's just bullies are assholes. Mm-hmm. That's really all it is. And I think we can all play a part when we witness bullying in the workplace. And I know sometimes it's really hard to speak up and you know, defend someone when you witness bullying because there is a fear of becoming a target yourself. Mm-hmm. But ignoring it just helps to just create a toxic work environment. And I know sometimes we just don't want to get involved, but, you know, there's power in numbers, right? So Mm -hmm. if you talk to your coworkers and ask for their help and support, like tell people what's going on, because a lot of times people are unaware that you're being bullied. And if you're online, block, block, block and report them. Mm -hmm. So there are steps you can take. And I will put the resources that Sue just mentioned in the show notes too. You know, there are a lot of resources out there now. More and more people are supporting anti-bullying. I think we just have to keep talking about it. Like we Mm -hmm. talk about everything else. Yeah. 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 If you are being bullied in school, in the workplace, at home, document everything. Time, date, any witnesses, what was said and keep a record of that because that is one of the very few tools that if it comes to doing something about it you know going through various channels then you need to have that documentation so if it's online then screenshot it and and save it and these are not things that you want to save because they are hurtful and they are harmful things to to have to save. But at the same time, you need to have that documentation. You need to have the evidence. Yeah, that's a good point, Sue. Well, I think that was a lot of good information about bullying. And if you are being bullied, you're not alone. Say something. So please don't internalize it and keep it to yourself. Find the resources, find the support because you're not alone. So stay safe. Stay sane, and until next time, bye for now. Bye. Bye. Before you go, we legally have to tell you that all the opinions and information we share on this podcast is based on our own personal experiences and should never be taken as professional advice. We may sometimes sound like we know what we're talking about, but the Taming Crazy podcast is for entertainment purposes only, so please consult with a qualified professional for any and all health advice. Thanks for listening. Bye.